All right, let's see. <clears throat> I think we are live. Okay, I think we're live. Hari, let's talk about um, a few things. Well, first, welcome everybody, whoever is watching this uh, later. Uh, right now, we're recording this on July 30th. Saturday right now where I'm sit where I'm sitting in the east coast of the US. It's 5 p.m. 515. Um let's get started. So we had we identified sort of three topics that we want to talk about. Uh Facebook meta, I think earnings season has begun. And it's interesting to see these numbers come out of these big tech companies. And so I we want to talk about Facebook and then Federal Reserve uh, raising interest rates. It happened this week. The Federal Reserve um, uh, Committee met this week on Wednesday and decided to raise interest rates, 75 basis points. We want to talk about that. And lastly, um, the Inflation Reduction Act. Is that right, Hari? Yeah, the Inflation uh, Reduction the Act. Yeah, the Inflation Inflation Act is what it's actually doing. But Inflation Inflation Act. So let's talk about those three things. Uh, so let's get started. So Facebook. Um, Facebook earnings, uh, kick us off with that topic, Kari. Yeah. Um, so a couple of interesting things is that, um, you know, Facebook a couple of quarters ago, I think announced that they were going to have, um, some revenue, uh, their revenue was going to start to take a hit because of, uh, Apple had implemented some privacy things that prevented them from doing some advertising, like their targeted advertising. And that really was going to hurt them over the next quarters. Uh, and then last quarter, they didn't seem to have much of an impact. But this quarter, um, what ended up happening was they actually posted their first revenue decline year over year uh, for that for the, that quarter. Uh, and, you know, they'd also announced all, that they were going to do some hiring freezes and that they would probably have some attrition in their employment because they were going to try and get rid of some of the lower performing employees and the people who are taking too much vacation. So I think, you know, the, uh, the story behind all of that is that they're saying that the advertisers are not really spending any money uh, anymore on the platform because they're, well, not anymore, but they're putting, cutting back because of inflation uh, and because, you know, uh, consumers are not really spending money in the U S like they were, you know, a year ago or two years ago, um, that the concern is that uh, because of largely because of inflation, that they're cutting back their advertising also. So a lot of this is kind of like turning into the perfect storm, but there's an underlying current here because you and I talk about moats all the time and how a moat can uh, you know protect a company from competitors and things like that. Um, but there's two things that are kind of hurting Facebook more than, uh, I mean, they're not not they're not hiding from it i shouldn't you know make it sound like they are but uh one of those is that instagram is getting uh hurt by a lot of what's happening on TikTok. so a lot of younger uh viewers which is their targeted demographic is moving over to TikTok, uh and it's a lot more video based so instagram tried to copy some of the things that uh snapchat has done which they're Instagram stories, you know, kind of you click on something and it disappears over 24 hours. It's, it's a short, like, you know, animated kind of, you know, uh, picture. But uh, 
Instagram's trying to adopt a lot more video stuff. And that is kind of because TikTok is eating their lunch right now. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going on here. And I think, you know, my feeling is that there is actually going to be some disruption in Facebook's moat because they're no longer going to be the king of social media. They're going to be sharing space and time, you know, and eyeballs with TikTok. So a, qu a question, question that comes to my mind is that, you know, when we talk about the checklist, right, we go through competitive edge and we outline, outline a few of them, right? Uh, we talk about, you know, um, um, what are some like big CapEx is one of the one of the modes we talk yeah. about intellectual property is another one. Uh, switching costs is another one. And then this, you know, with when it comes to social media, the big one there is network effect. Right. Right. And it's almost like, you know, back 10 years ago, it was one of the most impenetrable modes. Yeah. Once you have the network effect going, it just compounds itself and it just grows exponentially. Right. Now, I, I guess, are you suggesting that you're seeing, I guess, the, so, so you're saying that we're seeing some cracks here with the, with, on that particular um, competitive edge. Right. I guess, I mean, it's not surprising. The kids are on TikTok. Facebook is sort of dying off. But what, so what, what's, what's the, what's the lesson there for us, right? I mean, it's like once you have a company that's like really, really, you know, taking advantage, full advantage of the network effect, it was one of those things where you said, okay, well, well this is just like a buy and hold thing. So right. buy and hold, this is, this is almost like one of the, one of the most impenetrable modes, but then you're seeing cracks of this. Now, arguably the, the best, the best company that knew how to utilize this particular mode. What's the takeaway for us? Well, I think it's that, you know, it's very easy to miss, uh, you know, to assess a moat as being something that's stronger than it actually is. Um, and in the case of, you know, it's almost like an easy come, easy go kind of thing, right? Um, Facebook was able to build up a moat very quickly and very, uh, you know, powerful um, because they, they had a social media... Um, well, almost monopoly, right? Uh, Twitter has not been profitable. Snapchat hasn't been profitable. And a lot of people kind of flocked. And to your point about the network effects, you know, they have a lot of people on Instagram that are, you know, celebrity types who have built an entire brand around you know, their Instagram following. And in some cases have become, you know, billionaires with a B, you know, off of it, right? Um, and they're not going to be happy if, you know, if Instagram is going to, start messing with that, you know, following. And what will end up happening is either they switch to something else and then they take all their users with them and then Instagram becomes less uh, what it was, right? And there are other apps right now that I think are occupying a lot of people's mental like focus, uh, like TikTok. And then there are smaller apps that are kind of taking up the, the, the thing that made Instagram was like just looking at people's photos, you know, on a timeline, right? Now, now that may go away or may get interrupted and people may switch off of that. And so the casual user may not, you know, be on there either. Right. So this, what this ends up doing is it erodes that moat. And now if you don't have the people on there, the, the quote unquote, you know, celebrity influencer people, and you don't have the casual people, well then advertisers will disappear too. Right. So this is how you are reversing that effect. Right. Theoretically, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen overnight, right? I think it'll take a long, long time, but 
uh, you know, this is this is slowly what happens when a company loses some of its uh, edge. It's interesting because the um, you know people talk about like the network effect and how the exponential growth, right? Facebook and all these companies that utilize the network that grew exponentially. That rule might apply the same way on the way down. Right. So, I mean, that's that that's kind of interesting how a lot of the users are switching over to TikTok and we could probably do a whole segment on like TikTok and what that, you know. But if people are switching away from Facebook, I mean, I, I just wonder what that drop is going to is going to look like. Um, yeah, it's, it's well, interesting. I would love to hear from people like what their experience was with Facebook and, you know, like if they can comment in the, you know, in the YouTube chat or, um, you know, if they're listening live to message us. But I, what I would love to hear is how people are seeing it in their own circle of friends, because I, I know a lot of people who were on Facebook 10 years ago. Uh, and when I search for them now in Facebook to look up what's going on with them, I don't see they've like deleted their account. Right. And that's it's not like a small percentage. I'm talking like, you know, uh, you know, 25 percent of the people I was that was on have gone. Right. So yeah. I'm curious what will happen there. It, it seems to me that what we are seeing right now with Facebook, this revenue drop is almost like a lagging indicator, actually, of the actual underlying user. Because right. you and I know, and I think most people know that are listening to this podcast, know that Facebook has been on decline for a while when it comes to, yeah. you know, becoming this kind of digital town square. Like it, right. it sort of, it, it had its heyday and then it's now on its way out. And we yeah. all know that, but I feel like this is, there's a, there's a bit of a lag here, I feel like, and we're seeing kind of the signs of this. And that that's sort of the one angle. Another angle is you know Zuckerberg obviously making big bets with VR and um, you know his new venture in the space computing realm. Um, and then we you know there's like a whole story with uh, Sandberg. What happened there? She's been with the company for a while. If yeah. a chief exec, you know one of the C-suites leave, that's kind of a big deal. And so there, I think there's it's just compounding, and perhaps it's an evidence of something that's sort of not going so well in the company. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I'm not interested, I'm not interested and in, in invested in Facebook. Right. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how this all, well, you know, pans out. Um, yeah. And- I, I mean, I think if you are somebody who is an investor in Facebook, I, I would be curious to hear your thoughts, you know, you know, comment on that. If you're looking at it as a in potential investment, I certainly haven't, but I would be really curious to see if they start doing some sort of buyback. You know, they they generate a ton of free cash flow. Um, would they start buying back shares at a aggressive clip? Because um, even if their revenue stays stable, and they continue to buybacks, right? I think they can. You can see a huge growth in the price, even if the overall you know market cap doesn't you know necessarily move anywhere. So it's interesting because once you start doing buybacks you're sort of declaring to the world that you're at, you're sort of like hit its peak you, you don't know yeah. what to do with your money and so you're now going to revert to this playbook of buying back shares which is sort of the playbook of companies that are very mature and yeah. very much cash flow positive so it's sort of like declaring to the investor base that we are we're sort of at that you know at that stage of 
of life, a company, you know, a company life right. cycle. Um, I personally don't think that that will happen, but, um, well, I, I think they're still, still thinking like a growth company and they're going to spend money on VR. And I just, to be honest with you, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like VR is not the next platform that everybody is trying to make it out to be like it, it's, it's one of those things that everybody thinks is fun for, you know, like party games and kind of that kind of stuff. But I don't think it's going to take over gaming. It's not going to take over. People aren't just going to come home and put on VR headsets. Like you can browse Facebook, you know, on the bus on, you know, pretty much anywhere, but you're not going to walk around and put on a VR headset unless you're at home, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. We can talk about the VR stuff. That's uh, some, some, some people that listen to this will may know. Um, I run a company that has, VR as one of the kind of the one of the elements uh, in my business, and I can attest to that. Even though there has been many, many, um, you know, generations of VR, the form factor hasn't really changed all that much. And there's a very particular particular niche where VR plays a role. To be a general computing platform, there's so much more work to do. Uh, many yep. many years of work to do. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. Federal Reserve yep. raises interest rates. Talk, talk, uh, talk, talk us, uh, talk us through that, Hari. Yeah, so they, I think it was Wednesday uh, this week that they announced that uh, they increased it by seventy-five basis points. So that means, uh, you know, increasing it by 075 percent. So we are now. Um, what what that generally means is that's the intra-bank borrowing rate. So that's the the banks can borrow money from the Federal Reserve at that interest rate. Um, and what that allows them to do is take that money and then loan it to, you know, uh, people as part of their, uh, you know, their business, right? And so they're able to, you know, uh, you know, but 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 at the, you know, at a higher interest rate so that they can make a profit, right? So the debt difference between what they have to owe the Federal uh, Reserve and what they can charge for people is what they make, right? So typically. Um, you know, when interest rates are, are very low, that means that more people are borrowing at higher valuations because they it's cheaper, right? And we talked a lot about this last week. So uh, I won't go back into all of that, the detail there. But, you know, we were, you and I talked about, we were expecting another fairly significant rise and 0.75 basis, you know, 75 basis points is a very sizable increase. And they've done it now. That's the second one in a row. Um, and this third topic we'll talk about in a minute, um, you know, is probably going to increase the amount of inflation that we see in the in um, in the economy. Will they have to continue to do this? I think is is the other question, right? Because um, if you raise interest rates this much, that means housing, you know, has started to decline uh, in valuation, and new housing starts, which is how many new homes are being built, is declining, uh, and then the real estate market is starting to show. So it, it, there's they're lagging indicators because when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it then takes time for the banks to then raise their rates, and then it takes time for that to affect, um, you know, uh, housing, right? And so we're starting to see that six months after the Fed started, you know, talking about interest rates uh, going up, and we're finally seeing that impact. Yeah, what I find really interesting about this time around, in particular, this this uh, 75 basis point. Just just a side commentary on this whole financial market, today's market. Everybody has turned into like an armchair macroeconomist. 
Yep. <laughs> everybody, everybody has turned into like an armchair macroeconomist. Everybody has turned into an armchair, like a hedge fund manager, a day trader, and speculator. And this is, I think, what happens when you know government like manipulates the market in ways that it just makes everyone a speculator. And and this is kind of the danger of it. And what we have seen this week is really interesting. Once the Federal Reserve actually announced the rate hike, the market rallied. And why did it rally? It's because people think that they're going to pivot, right? And, and and so, like, it doesn't matter, like, the fundamentals of the business anymore. Like, the whole macro environment just dictates the entire financial market. And yeah. when I say a macro environment, it's mostly just, like, Federal Reserve. It comes down to a group of elders that decide the value of money. And so, yeah. like, the, this whole situation to me is very sad and kind of cruel um and this it's just it was just so funny this week it's just everybody expect is expecting the pivot and the way the tone of the federal chair federal, federal reserve chair uh chairman uh jerome powell the way he talks about it and it, it's like um you know people are reading into it and there's probably a lot of thought that goes into exact word that he uses during the conference uh to you know signal kind of hawkish or dovish kind of sentiment yeah you know and um yeah it's just a just a side comment on on that as as somebody that would like to focus on you know the actual business it makes it very difficult to do that uh when the environment that we find ourselves in is being you know being subjugated to these sort of uh, market manipulation yeah i i mean i don't disagree with any of that you know, in terms of how it's, you know, it's being manipulated into a, you know, to protect, this is all completely self-inflicted, right? We have uh, a government that is not willing to open up energy production, which is like we talked about last week is causing a tremendous amount of pain uh, in the oil and gas sector. And that's causing a lot of the downstream expenses, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are uh, have followed us, but we have uh, a blog that we write at blog.valueinvestor.org uh, and love for you all to check it out. But uh, at that, we talked about one of these that, you know, the inflation rate is about 10% uh, overall. But when you look at it, energy is about 60% of that, uh, 60% increase. Food is like 11%. So it's barely above, you know, the, the inflation rate. You know, if they really were serious about doing this, and this will be also the next topic we talk about, um, they would actually focus on, you know, increasing energy production domestically, right? And that that is what would affect this more than, you know, raising interest rates is good, you know, for trying to slow things down. But there's a danger here in that every American is now going to have to pay more in interest on $30 trillion in debt uh, that we now owe. Right. Anytime we borrow money, it's going to be at a higher interest rate because that's what the interest rate is affected by. Um, so there are serious ramifications. And if you read the Wall Street Journal was actually talking about this this week, there's actually the hedges, you know, the you know, there are various instruments that you can use to bet on what the interest rate is going to be in a year. And people are actually thinking the interest rates will come back down um, once December they, or yeah. something. December, January. Yeah. Yeah, once they get interest rates under control again, they're going to try and raise, uh, you know, lower the in or inflation under control. They're going to try and raise the interest or lower the interest rate 
back to historical lows like they have. And and they they kind of have to because they're paying too much in you know in debt, right? So uh but yeah, it's it's gonna be uh I, I don't think this is gonna be enough to to slow it down. I think we're gonna have several more um interest rate increases mm-hmm. before the end of the year. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how things unfold. Um, yeah. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for that. Let's move on to the third topic. Yeah. So I, I think we had mentioned this. The There was two bills passed that I think are very interesting. Um, the first one is uh, 430-ish billion dollar um, Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, which has a couple things in it that are um, that are actually going to promote uh, what's called stagflation. So the first is that uh, it's a lot of green energy policies that are being implemented. At, Hold on a second. Did was it passed or was it proposed? Uh, it, sorry, it is proposed, but um, it is expected to pass because the Senate has approved it, um, and so the House is already controlled by Democrats. So they're they're in favor of it. So there's, there's very little risk that it won't pass, but the, uh, what it, what it's essentially going to do is, uh, there's a lot of green energy spending that's going to be part of that, which is inflationary by nature, right? Anytime you're spending more money that wasn't planned, right. Uh, you know, that, that is inflationary. And then the second part of it is, um, there's a minimum corporate tax rate of 15%, uh, that's installed with, with that. So, for many companies, that's actually an interest uh, tax increase, right? Um, and what what that'll do is uh, just just to just to add a finer point on that, it's imposing fifteen percent corporate minimum tax, and the right. and, and the reason why this is in place is because many companies don't pay uh, uh, corporate tax because they have all these kind of accounting and accounting kind of rules and you can carry over losses and things like that. Just, uh, let me let me just finish this. Impose 15% corporate minimum tax rate for companies with higher than $1 billion in annual revenue. Right. So let's, let's think about that for a second, what that actually means, right? When you raise the tax rate for anybody, right? Basic economics will tell you that the company doesn't ever pay taxes right? It's always the end user, the end consumer that actually pays the taxes, right? And the reason for that is you they raise their uh, revenue to actually, you know, offset whatever loss they're making on the tax revenue, right? Because they're going to they're gonna pay for it by raising that in the long run, right? So what will end up happening is it's actually increasing the inflation by doing so, right? But the other part of it is it actually decreases investment because now you have less money to spend, Um in general, like these tax credits that they were using to get, you know, below that 15%, they were taking that money and then reinvesting it in the economy or doing things to help bolster their own businesses, right? Um, and so what's going to happen is you're you're taking away, you're basically in one foul swoop, you're taking away both sides of the equation, right? Um, <clears throat> and then the green energy stuff is essentially pouring money into the economy that wasn't planned for, right? Nobody's actually spending $400 billion in green energy. It's now being, you know, it's, it's over 10 years, but it's being pushed into the economy that didn't exist before. 
Yeah, I think there's a uh, there's a few things about the the climate, the the green energy stuff. There's like a bunch of subsidies that that's going to go out with EV vehicles and things like that, yep. which to me it's just like a corporate welfare thing. And yep. you know, I was just thinking about this because in healthcare, where you're in the industry that you're, I mean, you're a doctor, and the health uh, the industry that I am in as well, there are a bunch of these kind of subset of healthcare systems that have had have government it was it was well intentioned like government programs were were installed to help promote kind of you know some kind of like a, a program that allowed you know like I think a good example of this is actually um, dialysis you see dialysis yeah. clicks uh, clinics everywhere and you have like Devita healthcare right that basically monopolize the space and if you look at if you look at some of the some of the innovation that that could have happened in that space, there was like an at home like dialysis, you know, uh, procedures and things like that that you could have done at home. And there was like all these different innovation that was happening. But because government initially promoted you know patients to go to the dialysis clinic, the innovation that could have happened didn't really materialize because on the surface, from a customer standpoint. Going to dialysis clinic was cheaper, and so why would I yeah. spend that extra, you know, extra, you know, whatever, you know, time and, and energy to to look for some innovative solution when something, when the status quo is cheaper? But if you actually reveal the curtains, it's cheaper because of the subsidies. So it's actually stifling innovation. I think something like this could happen here with green energy. It's 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 good intention of like you know transitioning to more renewable, more green energy, but it's it's again like this market manipulation where the market isn't able to sort out the true winner versus mm -hmm. like you know the loser so I, I personally am worried about that um in addition to the inflation right and i i i'll just add one thing to the dialysis question or story here because a lot of people are probably very unfamiliar with it but um the vast majority of patients who are on dialysis don't actually need it three days a week um, but because it's subsidized, it's also paid for three days a week. And so what you end up doing is you actually have people coming to the clinic when they don't need it. Right. Um, and it ends up causing, you know, because the clinic can get paid for doing it. Right. And so a lot of these people who are now, you know, if you've ever seen anybody who's on dialysis, the day that they get dialysis, the day after they're basically like wiped out, it's a, it's a pretty stressful thing on your body. And then you just you come back the two days later and have to do it all again, right? So you're you're not really doing, and it's a six eight hour affair, right? That you have to spend at the clinic, right? So because of that, you're taking these people basically out of the workforce because they're going to spend their it's a full time job to be dialyzed, right? And because you didn't actually look let the market kind of dictate that and what actually the patient needed, it sounds good on paper that you're trying to help these people, but what you ended up doing was actually hurting them more. Uh, by essentially making them, you know, completely dependent on, you know, that money, right? And and like you said, it's a, it's a great parallel to what we'll see in the green energy, you know, world. Yeah. So I worry. I, I sort of worry about that. Um, yeah. And um, what else? Is there anything else you want to talk about here? Yeah. Real real fast. There, there's another act that's being bandied about and it may already have passed. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it's passed the Senate, which is the CHIPS Act. 
Oh yeah. Um, and, and it's like the chips and research act or something like that. So it's a well-intentioned thing that I think is where $25 billion is being spent to, uh, increase microchip production in the U S right. And, the, and I think from a, you know, a economic and national security standpoint, it is a great thing for us to do as a country, because if China takes over Taiwan and Taiwan destroys their chip manufacturing, we are all now dependent on China for, for chips, right? And Ch China has is way behind in terms of chips, but they have, uh, from a technological standpoint, but they have a, um, you know, they have a lot of manufacturing capacity, which the U.S. doesn't. The problem is, is that there's also $200 billion in there for research and development. Now, this is, again, like you said, corporate welfare and putting money into universities in terms of like, uh, uh, it's you know, universities are going to get a, a huge chunk of this money to essentially spend on research and development. Now, my problem with that is, is that the chip companies make tons of money. They should spend their own money on research and development, right? The U.S. is far ahead. Putting more money into this is not going to yield better results. It's just going to yield, in, you know, put inflation into the economy because people are going to spend this money uh, in, in a ways that they didn't really earn it, right? But if Intel and AMD spent that money, they'd be focused on profits, right? Um, I So I but if Intel and AMD wanted to work with universities, I have no problem with that. But I don't think we should be granting universities money because that's not where um, that's not going to be the most efficient use of, you know, that capital. Right. Yeah, there are there are a few things that come to mind immediately. First is that universities are, are they're rich. Yeah, they're rich. Yeah. I mean, if you look at their endowment, they're rich. They're like hedge funds. Right. I mean, look, go, you should go look up. I mean, people that are listening to this, go look up like Harvard Endowment. They're running $30 billion of asset under management. They're basically a hedge fund. OK, yeah. so it's not like they don't have money. That's number one. Number two is I worry about what I worry about is actually like some of the espionage that's been happening all across this mm -hmm. high level institutions. Yep. I mean, it's like every 12 hours you have an espionage that's caught from China or some other country. It's mostly China. It's like. Chinese espionage that's happening all across the country to, to steal, you know, these intellectual properties. I worry about that. And I worry that some of this money that's going to be injected into these, these universities there, I just don't know if they're going to yield much results, uh, given, given those, those things with like, um, sort of the inefficiencies of, you know, university systems and research apparatus. Yep. Um, it is the best we have. And I think you're right. It's like very well intentioned. But I, I just wonder if there's guardrails and safe, you know, safety measures in place so that we can take into account uh, the results. Like because it's taxpayer, it's it's you and, and my money going into this or it's future money that our, our kids have to pay. Yep. And I would just I would just love to see some accountability around this. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's, something, it's something that's that's going to hard to hard to ask for in government government um, in most most government programs, I think. And and not only that, though, it's also inflationary, right? You're putting money into the economy when it doesn't need to be there, right? The economy is already on fire right now and you're just pouring gasoline on it. I mean, in six hundred and fifty billion dollars that was just spent that wasn't going to be spent before. Right. 
And I think of all of that, only maybe 25 billion actually needed to be spent, you know? Yeah. So it, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing amount of money that's being thrown into this, right? So I guess just last question to you is like, okay, semi, let's, let's focus on semiconductor industry for a second. Like, what do you do? What, what is the right path? What is the right path to let, you know, American or sort of Western Alliance companies to be able to have their own, you know, foundries and manufacturing facilities and, you know, all those supply chain? Like, what, what is the right way to do it? Yeah, I, I, what I would have done is I would have given them a tax break um, for building chip plants in the U.S., which this this does, right? Um, and I would have given them a, you know, I, I wouldn't have given them a subsidy. I would have just given them a tax break with a long tail, like 10 or 15 years. And, you know, and have that be kind of what drives their innovation, right? Because if you look, Taiwan has TSMC, which is where most of these chips are being built right now. And it's all concentrated in uh, in the, uh, you know, in Taiwan. T TSMC actually started building in the US, you know, under Trump. And now it's, you know, going to continue with this. So I, I would have just said, give them the incentives that would have done it without costing taxpayers any money, right? Because honestly, if they spend that money, it's going to get create a bunch of jobs, those people will pay taxes on their income and you 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 solve the problem, right? I think that's the right way to do it instead of give outright giving them cash, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like Federal Reserve is trying to tame the inflation and then if some yeah. of these like this this bill chip bill and then the um what is it? Inflation reduction act if that gets yeah. passed, it's basically yeah. like you're sort of undoing a lot of the work that yeah, and I think I think I, I was hopeful that we would have inflation under control by the end of the year, but now I'm feeling like it's going to go past the end of the year because we're now going to pour more gasoline into the, you know, into the fire right now. So we'll see. I mean, maybe it'll start coming under control just because energy prices will start, like demand will start coming down on its own, right? And that may have more impact than anything that the in, you know inflation or the Fed does. Hmm. Yeah. What is just one, one last question? We're almost at time. If you think that inflation, let's actually zoom in on this. You think that inflation is going to be, is going to continue at like seven, eight percent, nine percent for the next few months? I, I do. I think it's going to be less than the, <clears throat> the peak. But it's going to be still like seven, six, seven percent. And the reason for that is, um, one, I think oil and gas has already come down a little bit. You know, the the um, so now you're seeing at the peak it was five dollars a gallon. Now it's closer to four. Mm -hmm. I actually filled up it for three fifty today, which is really, yeah. Um, so I think it has come down somewhat. Interesting. Um, but I think what's happening is still that shock is going to still take some time to get all the way through, right? Um, because companies are going to have, you know, have to, you know, wade through all of that extra extra expense for gasoline, for transporting goods, for plastics that they use for manufacturing, all of that will take time, right? Um, and I just don't think it's going to happen fast enough to, you know, to tame it down. It'll take, these things just take time to, to play out. Mm -hmm. Um 
and then I think the other part of it is that's going to happen is we're going to start seeing layoffs from companies. Yeah. Uh, and then that that'll actually have the biggest impact because job uh, layoffs, you know, if you look at the 2008 recession, that was actually one of the last indicators. One of the lagging indicators of the recession was actually uh, uh, the job market. Uh, it took a lot longer than, you know, the other shocks that happened. Uh, and I think we're going to start seeing those layoffs towards the end of the year as companies try to keep their balance sheets, you know, controlled. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of, we're starting to see that happening. I mean, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I am particularly interested in looking at that, that particular um, chart of unemployment. I think that's going to be a really, really telling indicator of where yep. we are in this cycle. So my, yep. my, my eyes are on that um, right now. Cool. I think that that's about, that about covers it. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I just like to, you know, remind everybody that, uh, you know, we are trying to get a lot of stuff back content wise out the door. Uh, and what would help us out a lot is if you like comment and subscribe on this, uh, on these, if you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, share it with friends uh, if you can. That will help us out with the algorithm. Um, and I think in the next few weeks, we're going to have a bunch of um, announcements to make in terms of new stuff. Uh, but in the meantime, if you're interested in getting onto the podcast Slack channel, uh, email us at info at valueinvestor.org. Um, and we'll happy to add you there where you can ask us questions and get involved with the community. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean... Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think that's that's it. Yeah, um, hope you guys enjoyed this. We'll be definitely be, you know, we'll be we'll be recording more regularly. And like Hari said, we have a few things that that we want to launch in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And uh, thanks you guys for thanks thank you guys for listening. Uh, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs>